your hosts have earned a reputation as fierce and effective advocates inside and outside of the courtroom. Both partners are experienced trial attorneys who have been board certified in family law by the Texas Board of Legal Specialization. Welcome back to For Better, Worse, a Divorce. I'm Brian Walters here with Jake Gilbreth. And today's topic is we're going to talk about something that, that comes up a lot is that somebody's not happy with their attorney and they're in the middle of the case and they kind of face a difficult decision of do I switch to a better attorney or do I stick it out with the one that I have? And that's not an easy choice. It's got its pluses and minuses and risks and, and uh, benefits. We deal with that a lot, probably... I don't know, 30 or 40% of the consults that I take are that exact issue. And probably 30 to 40% of our caseload is, or the second lawyer, sometimes even the third lawyer. So these are all things that, you know, it comes up, it's a natural source of concern. I look at it a couple different ways. That's usually what I talk about with people is the, you know, the first question is, is it, is it really your lawyer, right? Is it, or is it just you're in a crappy situation or maybe this is to be what's expected and, and they haven't set your expectations correctly or are they just not that good at what they do? That's probably the first question. If the answer is, yeah, it's really the lawyer, which frankly it is most of the time in my experience, then the question is, well, is it worth changing? Because, you know, it either may not, things may be cooked in so far that doesn't matter. Sometimes people call us after they've signed a binding final MSA and, you know, there's only so much we can do. Other times there's a lot that we can do or, or some other law firm can do. And then the third part of it is usually, well, what's the procedure? Let's say that they do want to hire us. How do, how do we hire you? How do we switch lawyers? What happens with the file? What happens with my money that I paid that lawyer? So you want to talk about the first component of that? Is it, um, it sounds a little bit like a relationship, right? Is it me or is it you, right? So how would you determine that if you're a client thinking about, hey, I'm not happy with the way this case is going. How would you think they should look at that and try to make a determination? Yeah, I mean, I sound like a broken record on this podcast and with our associates, but most of the time, I would say 90% of the time, it's an issue of communication with the lawyer that you have. That's the biggest complaint I get when people, um, and you know, obviously we get people that come in and, and you know, this, this happens a lot too. Where it's like, look, we went to court and my poor lawyer, I, I like him or her quite a bit, but wow, they really didn't know what they were doing or they gave me some bad advice or they've been telling me this. And I, some of the consul, wait, they told you what? No, that's not, that's not right. It's this over here. And, you know, you do have those obviously where you're just, you get that sense that you're getting the bad advice, right? Which is hard. That's, that's hard to figure out as a client. Am I being told, you know, good advice? Am I not? Like that didn't seem to go well in court. Is that normal? That's a hard one to figure out. And, and that usually takes some shopping around and some research and talking to, you know, board certified lawyers is you, you may, maybe you have a lawyer that's not board certified, may not be as experienced and family law. So you want to consult with me or Brian because we're board certified or another board certified lawyer just to get kind of, I guess, a more qualified opinion is what you're thinking. So the kind of figuring out like, is this just this lawyer may not have the skill set needed for the level of my case. That's a hard one to figure out, but clients can figure out that out. And they do. A lot of times they figure it out after court or after a deposition when their lawyer can't figure out how to ask a question or what have you. But again, most of the time people are coming in with me and going, I love my lawyer, or maybe I don't love my lawyer, but good or bad, 
they won't return my call or they won't meet with me or I don't know what's going on. Like my divorce has been pending for two years and I don't know there's no end in sight. Well, what your lawyers say, I don't know. I can't get him on the phone. Uh, she won't meet with me, you know, what have you. That's most of the, or maybe she'll be with me, but then they're gone all the time or, you know, what have you. That's most of the time of what, what we hear people um, switching. And so if you have, it, it is not, well, I was about to say it's not normal. It is not acceptable if your lawyer is not communicating with you. If you have that sense that you're not being told what's going on or, you know, that there's a lag in communication, that may be normal. Actually, probably is normal, but it's not acceptable. And that's what's whenever people really get the sense of it's time to switch. And, and that's something that we preach in the consult on this podcast, on our website, internally with our marketing team, internally with our associates. It's just communication. Like it's this is a stressful, difficult process. But but if you're not being communicated with, I did a consult yesterday called 10 law firms called 10 law firms trying to hire a law firm and couldn't get a call back from any of them, which is shocking, but again, not abnormal. And then, you know, Brian, you and I did a case last month, actually, and I guess this goes into the discussion of like, what's the procedure transferring the file? Can it be done? You know, how smoothly can y'all do it? We got hired on a, on that case in the Dallas area where I think the divorce has been pending for two and a half years. And the client did the consult with you and Nobody will give me any end in sight. Nobody will tell me what's going on. I have no idea when I'm going to get divorced, what's going to happen, you know, what my case looks like. And they were set They were set for trial. Now, her lawyer is trying to move the trial, despite the fact that she desperately wanted to get divorced. They were set for trial, I think it was three weeks after she hired us. Case been pending for two and a half years, hired us three weeks out from trial. And then her lawyer's trying to move the trial, even though she didn't want it moved. Hired us. Resolved the whole thing within three weeks, which included getting ready for a contested multi-day trial that we didn't want to get moved and that we we went in, got it prepped and all ready to go. And then the case resolved. So I guess we're talking about the logistics of that, right? Like that case, for example, been pending for two and a half years with one lawyer. And then all of a sudden we're taking over two, three weeks out from final trial in this situation. Kind of proceed. One, can it be done? The short answer is yes, but talk to you about that. And then what's that procedure look like? You know, kind of making that move from one law firm to the other. Right. And and just to follow up on that, I feel um, got a young daughter and I feel like, uh, you know, some, when she starts dating someday, my wife and I are going to have to have a talk with her about what to expect in a relationship. It's sort of the same thing here. And, and I think that if you write your attorney an email and ask him a question, you should you should get an answer, in my view, within a one or two business hours, but certainly within 24 hours. I think if you make a call, same thing, you should get a return call within 24 hours. To me, that's really just slow. I have zero unanswered emails in my inbox, and it's almost always that way. So, I mean, I was on a four-hour flight earlier this week. I got when I, We had no Wi-Fi, and when I landed, there were 73 emails in my inbox, but I got them all taken care of before I went to bed. That's just the way you and I operate, and that's the way we, we demand our our firm operates. But what I typically hear is the, you know, I get three weeks between emails or, you know, I, my calls take 10 days to get responded. That's totally unacceptable. That's just not. Another thing that's an indicator of a problem in the firm that they're not functioning properly is that if you're not getting regular bills that are precise, I mean, preferably twice a month, but at least monthly, that's a, those things almost always go hand in hand. They don't return my phone calls or emails, and I also don't know where the heck I am on my on my billing or invoicing, which is just an indication of an overall lack of functioning in that law firm, which is going to impact your case. So, next question about the second one, I think about you know how where where in the process can we help 
can the new law firm help versus versus not? And then we'll talk lastly about the, the procedure of that. Um, I think generally the short answer is this, the earlier in your case, the more the more a new lawyer can make a difference, right? If you you've already having problem, and we we this has happened like we've been hired a week into a case where they've our people have already figured out like this is not going well. But you know if it's going to last a year and we're hired in the first month or second month, obviously we're going to be able to make a difference. If the, the example I gave earlier, where the case has already been resolved, I mean you've had a trial or you had a settlement agreement that's binding and irrevocable, there's not that much a lawyer can do for you at that point. Now, there might be you know, an appeal or there might be you know, the way an order is drafted from an MSA. In theory, there could be some changes. But I would say, I mean, again, back to relationship, if you have bad feelings about it, your gut instinct is probably correct that there's a problem and you're probably better off acting on it. But if, because at some point it will be too late and then you just can't do anything about it. So the mechanics of switching lawyers, um, we, we deal with this all the time. I have this conversation three or four times a week. So there's really two steps, one for the client and one for the attorneys. One, the client just needs to make that decision. Hey, I'm okay. I'm done with my former lawyer. I want to hire y'all. And just make that. And once you make that decision, that's really all you need to do, period. That's it. Because at that point, we'll send you a contract electronically signed, takes a minute, you know, pay the retainer, it takes a minute. And then everything's on us from there. We file documents with the court that goes to your outgoing lawyer and the opposing counsel that says we're the new lawyers. You don't have to have contact with them if you don't want to. That can be awkward, right? Sort of like breaking up. And some people like to do that. They like to call their attorney, outgoing attorney, and say, hey, kind of didn't work out. You know, I appreciate, you know, say some nice things and be done. But 95% of them don't. They just ask us to do it. And the other lawyer, there's nothing they can do. The outgoing lawyer, they they will be removed from the case. They will have to give the file to, to our firm. And um, you'll never hear from them again, probably, unless you have either an outstanding balance with them financially or if they owe you money as part of a refund. But again, they're usually very disorganized with their finances. And so that can, uh, that can often be some bit of a problem to figure out as you go forward. So that's the basic structure of it. There can be specific changes. Sometimes we've been brought in to assist or kind of supplement the representation and essentially co-counsel rather than just taking over the case entirely. That's a little variation on it. That's pretty rare, but it does occur. What's your experience been with those those issues? Well, it's a spectrum, right? You know, like all things. And, and I do have people coming and they're just, it's not a good relationship, right? It's just like a divorce comes in, right? It's sometimes they're just toxic relationship with their lawyer. They're, you know, the client and the lawyer are not getting along for whatever reason, for whoever's fault. It's usually the lawyer's fault because customer's always right. But, you know, toxic relationship. They're not getting along. They're wanting to fire their lawyer. And, you know, it's just we same procedure. You know, we file the notice of appearance, motion to substitute. Hey, we're going to take over. You know, let's get the file transferred. And then it happens. That's one extreme. You know, a lot of times people come in and they they love their lawyer, right? They love him or her personally. That They're great. And so they just they need kind of a more specialized approach or a better approach or, you know, a firm with more structure like we have. Maybe the lawyer is just overwhelmed or not up to the task or it's just, you know, it just isn't a, a nice or it's, it's no different than, you know, if my kids, if my child had, a you know, something uh, more complex to deal with medically and been going to see his pediatrician, but maybe it's time to go see a specialist. That doesn't necessarily mean I hate his pediatrician. That just means it's time to go kind of 
to a different level and a different approach. And I tell the clients a lot of times, sometimes they're really stressed. They're like, well, somebody's going to be upset with me that I'm switching lawyers. Like, nah, this is part of our practice, right? It is not surprising to a lot of lawyers, most lawyers. It's not surprising if it's, you know, you have a solo practitioner or a smaller firm and say, look, I'm just going to switch to kind of a more, a different approach. Somebody that can handle this maybe a little bit better. Nine times out of ten, the the uh, the lawyer's not going to be surprised, and it's going to be a, a smooth transition. I mean, a lot of times we're taking over for a friend of ours. You know, I, I know lots of lawyers in the community. I'll call them up and just say, "Hey, Miss So and So decided to retain me. Thinks she did a great job, but we're just we're going to kind of take a little different approach, or we're, we're going to take it from here." And it's just perfectly normal, sort of smooth transition, and everything's fine. So it's a spectrum, and like you said, you know, a lot sometimes we're brought in as co-counsel. I mean, sometimes somebody who comes in and says, "I just don't think my lawyer's up to." to the task of trying this case or handling this deposition or mediation. And we look at it and go, you know, your lawyer's really, you know, giving it his or her all. So let's keep your lawyer involved and and co-counsel. And then yeah, a lot of times we're just sort of taking over completely, but it's not a it's not necessarily a contentious uh, process or an awkward process. But regardless of where it falls on the spectrum, we handle all of it, right? It's no you don't have to call and give them a Dear John letter or anything like that. You just motion to substitute. It's it's no big deal. It, it happens a lot, a lot in our profession. I had a case that we took over kind of the last minute before restraint order and the client had hired one lawyer, somebody I like a lot in the profession, but just kind of wasn't up to the task. He was a solo. And I heard from the other side, he was talking to the other side and he said, well, I'm, I'm getting off the case. She's hired a new lawyer. And the other side said, well, who is it? Come on. He goes, well, I can't tell you because she hasn't hired him yet, but you're not going to be surprised, which is a big compliment to us, right? Like it was a complex, difficult case. And the fact that nobody was surprised, both the lawyer we were replacing and the lawyer that was on the other side, because when I called the lawyer on the other side, it's like, okay, I'm representing this woman now. He goes, yeah, I figured. It's a complex, difficult case. I figured you guys would be showing up on it. A lot of times it's not a surprise. If we're the second or third lawyer, and so to the extent that there's that nervousness that, you know, I, I, somebody's going to get their feelings hurt or it's going to be a difficult process or anything like that. It's really not. A lot of times it happens the same day at the consult and it's just not that big a deal. And then I guess, Brian, talk to me about uh, the last question I get a lot about this is like, OK, how are y'all going to get up to speed? Right. My, this lawyer has been representing me for a year. You guys are taking over. What are you going to do to get you caught up, Brian, or the associate caught up or or one of our senior associates caught up, how are we going to do that? Yeah, I mean, it's it's not that difficult. I mean, usually midway through the case, there's at least a temporary order in place so we can kind of see where we, where we stand at the moment. You can read the order. These are the rules we're operating under. Okay, well, what are the rules or what are the issues that remain that are real? I mean, that's part of the thing when a case first starts, you've got a divorce. Let's say you've got, might have 10 different issues that might be issues, but Several months into it or six months into it, it's narrowed down to probably just one, two, or three that are real issues. And then we would need to focus on those. And those are either, generally, either some type of property question, business valuation, or a characterization of the property, which we understand and can, I think, get to the basis of pretty quickly or are need to bring in an expert to help us get to that point, or kid issues. And those are going to be you know, issues about some parents functioning or impairments or uh, some other issue like, you know, somebody wants to move back to you know, where they came from or special needs child, something like that. So usually we're, we're down to two or three significant issues. And you and I have dealt with, I think, all of them at some point, one form or the other. Every case is different, but we've dealt with similar cases 
in some form um, and can usually come up to speed pretty quickly on it. Uh, I'm not too concerned about that. Usually there's discovery that's been done at some point in the case, so that helps us figure out where everything is. And that's what been the least of my concerns. I mean, you know, it's, it's like the one, this is a Saturday morning, you know, we were retained after hours last night, Friday night for a hearing Monday morning. So we're technically retained with zero, zero business days to get ready for a temporary restraining order hearing, a real hearing. And, um, but, you know, fine, whatever. I, I was working on it last night. I'll connect with the associate this morning to work on it some more. We'll cut together with the client on Sunday and we'll be ready to roll Monday morning. It's not a problem. Yeah, it's like the last question is like, is it, when's it too late? And it's really never, frankly. I mean, we've been hired. You see, it's for temporary orders, been hired, like you said, the Friday before Monday hearing, two weeks out from final trial, what have you. I mean, sometimes the time, the timing affects what we can and cannot accomplish. But as far as, you know, when's the last time to do it? If it's not working out with your lawyer, again, particularly if it's communication, but, you know, or they just, they're not up to the task and it's not a slide on anybody, but there's just some lawyers that, you know, you need a different approach. So, you know, it's, it's never too late to switch. You know, if once somebody signed that binding, the, the painful thing, it's probably the most painful consults I do are when somebody comes in and they said, I was upset with my lawyer the whole time. I didn't think he or she was doing a good job. I went to mediation with him anyway, and we signed a mediated settlement agreement. But now can you get me out of this? And then, or I just went and did my final trial and it went horribly. We weren't prepared. My lawyer didn't prep me. We didn't have our exhibits or what have you. And then, and you know, it's too late. And then, you know, the consult ends with somebody going, and this has happened several times and it's hard when they say, I wish I'd hired y'all. Before, I wish I'd hired you for my mediation, for my trial. Everything you're telling me sounds way different than when I've heard the whole process. And then, you know, it's it's too late. So, you know, reach out to us. Uh, like you just alluded to, Brian, it could really be at any time. Like you hired somebody, somebody hired us. And that was a referral from a lawyer, I believe, who, you know, she's solo and just said, like, I can't. I can't handle this, right? You're talking to me on a Friday for a Monday hearing. I can't do this. Call Brian and Jake. And Brian talked to the client after hours and can go try a case on Monday. But make the call. You know, we can we can do a console and talk and, and probably going to be surprised with one, kind of the ease, ease of the transition and, and two, uh, kind of what we can accomplish in pretty short order. Yep. All right. Well, that's all we have for today. If you like what you heard today, do us a favor and leave a review. We appreciate all the feedback you can give us, especially when it helps us make this a better podcast. This concludes uh, this podcast, and uh, I'm Brian Walters here with Jake Gilbreth, and thanks for listening. For information about the topics covered in today's episode and more, you can visit our website at waltersgilbreth.com. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of For Better, Worse, or Divorce, where we post new episodes every first and third Wednesday. Do you have a topic you want discussed or a question for our hosts? Email us at podcast at waltersgilbreth.com. Thanks for listening. Until next time.